my safe space was through movement, through focusing on myself and my body and honing in on this creative outlet that everything else just drifted away from me, but not without coming through me first. And so in ways in that people, a lot of times will just uh, distract themselves with movement or with the newest movement trend or fitness trend, but it doesn't allow room to exist and to be and feel and process. And that's what's missing. I see a lot and a lot of people are, are doing great work, but in a lot of the, unfortunately, like really big trendy fitness movement modalities, there's a lack of humanity. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring the medium of movement and looking into how it has the capacity to transform not only our physical bodies, but potentially every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek a movement guide here to help people find their own unique and authentic relationship to movement through creativity, curiosity, and self-expression. Join me as I dive into deep conversations with a wide variety of individuals from many different fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their own unique movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope these recorded conversations will inspire and empower you to find your own unique movement journey in your life, in your own way. Hey everyone, today on the podcast, I have Jessica McCarthy. Now, Jessica is such an interesting and observant and educated and empathetic human being. She offers a really unique experience to all of her clients and all the people she works with through her classes and through her one-on-one opportunities for engagement. She considers herself a movement guide and she helps guide people into their own authentic relationship with their bodies. And we talked about so many exciting things relating to movement. We discussed the importance of the raw wilderness connection and the importance of connecting to these natural spaces in the earth versus always being indoors, in buildings, in concrete and steel. And that was a really interesting part of the conversation because I haven't gotten to talk about that before on this podcast. And afterwards, we talked about many things, including 
the potency of sound, how sound itself can be such an instrumental medicine when it comes to connecting to your body and then to your authentic self. And we talked about movement as a great communicator, as a great connector for so many different aspects of life. And these are just a few highlights of the episode. There are many, many more. I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as I enjoyed recording it. So for now, just go ahead and sit back, relax, tune in, and enjoy. Jessica, I'm actually going to turn it over to you to talk more directly about what your work looks like, what exactly it is that you do, and all the other things that you're involved with too, because you're not just involved with that. Yes, thanks, May. Thank you for having me. It is a very broad spectrum of movement and wellness. When people look at my business card, if they don't know me, they see luminous architecture and they're like, oh, are you an architect? <laughs> I'm like, yes, of mind, body, and spirit. Because it is really this multifaceted, multidimensional approach to movement and to wellness, which manifests in a lot of different ways. Uh, one of those being dance. Dance was my first love. And I have been a dancer since I was a very, very little one. And still I'm a professional dancer. Uh, but I also teach the jewels in a way that is extremely integrative, building on my own movement practices, what I've embodied in my life, and bring that to people to very much connect to the their innate expressions of themselves, of how they can move and feel best in their bodies, and what that means not just for themselves, for their lives, but on a larger scale, how they move in this world, connecting to their passion, their purpose, their gifts, and even more recently getting into moving in more wild landscapes, uh, dancing in more wild landscapes, and getting out of the more domesticated movement practices and finding those wild, raw, primal uh, links to, to movement that I really believe help us align with, with what it means to be a human being. Yeah. I, I think the the one thing I know most clearly about your work is your connection to the raw, wild, natural, elemental sense of connection, right? Being out in nature, sourcing your own food and herbs from the earth and trying to find the cleanest, most direct way to interact with our planet. And I, it's really interesting to me that you talk about looking at the dynamic of how we're moving in this world, but that your lens is so sharply focused on that element of nature, the rawness, the wilderness. I would love for you to expand uh, why that is such a crucial part of your work. Yes. Well, it definitely was not always that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Virginia and new dance studios. That's, that was my, my landscape was mm-hmm. being inside of a dance studio. And I loved it and it fulfilled me so, so much. And it still does. Like getting into a studio and moving, expressing myself through that language that I know so well is extremely powerful and satisfying. Uh, but there came a time when I, after I fell in love with, with more wild 
places, more wild landscapes uh, through backpacking and hiking, things that I hadn't really done in my youth a whole lot. Uh, and in my early 20s, came to, to know nature and that wildness within too. And that changed my perspective on movement a whole lot, um, really up until I was... Out of, just out of college, I knew dance and yoga because I became a certified yoga teacher uh, my last year of college. And so those were the two worlds that I was really interacting in, which have a lot of overlap. So it felt very comfortable moving from dance to vinyasa yoga because that was like a creative sequencing or choreography on a mat. And so it felt very comfortable. But then for me to expand my horizons with with what movement means to myself and and uh, how I move and not just as a dancer but as a person mm-hmm. <laughs> moving through through hiking and and feeling this deep meditative movement connection to how my feet feel into the earth, into each stone. Um, that was really just eye-opening for me. And then leading into not feeling quite as satisfied in a dance studio and, and wanting more and not quite sure what that was at first, but realizing that that wasn't what I was necessarily after all these years. And being a professional dancer was, is a great thing. And I enjoy it very much. But there was something that I felt more contained um, from being in in the more isolated space of a dance studio inside and how I was just yearning for being able to be outside. And then how can I draw those two things together and open up movement and dance in a way where it's not just what we know in a more entertainment uh, value mm-hmm. or artistic art form, but letting it be, letting it just be a way of, of life. And yeah. so for that, it couldn't just be one thing. It had to be a lot of different expressions of movement within dance and without uh, without outside of the realms of dance as well. You know, it's interesting because one of my biggest spaces for exploration and curiosity right now, personally, is blurring the lines between different forms of movement and just letting them interchangeably flow depending on what's going on and how I feel and what my intuition or my body or my mind or my soul want in that moment. And I've been feeling this thirst and this hunger to be outside moving. And it's been interesting to notice that there's actually a significant block for me there. Um, because mm. most of my movement happens in these internal safe spaces. And mm-hmm. there's something about being outside that feels vulnerable and exposed. Uh, because, at least in New York especially, you're very rarely alone outside. Yeah, sure. and so it, it feels like too much mm-hmm. of a performance element where um, at least if I'm in an enclosed space in my apartment or in a dance studio or even in a yoga studio somewhere, mm-hmm. there, there's like a 
there's almost an allowance for it. And I find it really interesting when I think about this, that in some ways, the actual authentic raw space to move does not feel as safe, right? Because we have Mm -hmm. this social consciousness of like what these norms are. And if you are to go outside of those norms, um, not that people would judge you, but it's so interesting to notice that come up within me. And be like, well, I'm one of the people who shouldn't worry about that, right? I have like 26 <laughs> plus years of movement yeah. expertise. Like, why am I scared? Um, but it's some. It mm-hmm. just is so interesting. And so, how how did you uh, start to work against that? I don't know if you actually take time to like explore yeah. movement in that in the way I'm describing. But but like, what would be your advice for mm-hmm. somebody who's like, I want this, but where do I start? Right. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I just relocated to Portland, Oregon from Brooklyn, New York. So I feel you on going out into the city and moving in the more wild landscapes of, of <laughs> New York City. And it was definitely a challenge for me as well. <clears throat> I think having somebody with me, having my boyfriend with me uh, was helpful to feel safe in that vulnerable place of, uh, of the real world of um, exposure. Of the, yeah. Of, of just, it, it was, it was like, he was more comfortable with it because he grew up in a different way, in a way of being outside and being connected to land and place that I hadn't been. And so I think seeing him being comfortable navigating you know walking barefoot through prospect park in the middle of winter when he would definitely get looks and uh as slowly i was like yeah what what's the problem like feeling comfortable within myself in dance is something that you know i feel very much at home in that language uh, of movement but when you take yourself out of those places you've known so well and out of your comfort zone, there are barriers to entry for sure. But I think pushing past those is, is important and allows for, uh, for more, more possibility rather than just staying in that safe container. So I think finding a friend, a loved one, somebody who will go out there with you and, get some strange looks together. Uh, yeah. It's it's easier to, to do it with a community and that doesn't need to be a big group. It can just be another person because it's a lot, a lot easier to put yourself out there with somebody else walking alongside of you or, you know, doing pull-ups from tree branches in Prospect Park. <laughs> also helpful when you can't do pull-ups on your own uh like when I first started out I couldn't couldn't do pull-ups on my own so having some assistance was great but yeah I think if you're feeling like you want to get out there and move in uh your local park or even if you just go out for a hike like how can you on your weekend hike incorporate other kinds of movement into that walk into your you know, you're walking through the woods, you're walking up a mountain, but can you play, can you make it a playful game? Can you know, There's so many ways to incorporate movement in our day-to-day lives, which can be outside in those more raw, wild places. Uh, it's just, it's about tapping into 
your own personal creative outlet, I think, for, for a big part of it. Because I could, could tell you different ways to go out and move through these landscapes. But at the end of the day, it is very much about your personal connection to how you want to move within your body and how you want to take that into these more wild places. Yeah. So that would be my, my starting piece of advice. I, I think that's great. And as you were even saying it, I was thinking, yeah, like if I did have a friend, I would feel less vulnerable. And I, I just kept mm-hmm. hearing that word in my head, vulnerable. And I can't really let it go because it's so interesting to me that, you know, that's actually in some ways, like that's the freest space that exists to like move however the F you want or just like be yourself. And it's an interesting Mm -hmm. juxtaposition (laughs) that like, at the same time, it, it, it is so much, there's so much more exposure in that. It's, it's almost like you're being watched by something that has a far deeper sense of perception than just human beings right because you're in connection with earth mm-hmm. and um and there's there's so much like electromagnetic communication going on there that you don't normally get and in some ways it sharpens your attention and your awareness of yourself in a way that's far deeper than when you're in an enclosed space built by man yes absolutely there's there, even though going out into more wild places offers a disconnection to what the noise we often hear are surrounded by in more city-like settings, there's so much, there's so much life that's happening in those places that a lot, we, we can connect to a different kind of, of rhythm. It can, unearth a lot about who we are uh, what what we want to do in our lives how we want to move through our lives literally but also on a more metaphorical level and so getting out into these places that whether it is just a green space if you like you know I lived in New York City for seven years so I didn't have (laughs) a lot of opportunity to get into these really raw places uh, on the land Mm -hmm. unless you drove, you know, three and a half hours north to the Catskills. And when you went there, it was such a treat. But that's why Prospect Park was such a safe haven of sorts for me to be able to, to put my roots down into and just like connect to the earth with bare feet and with within the constraints of the park in a city Mm. um that's why I'm so happy to be out in Portland now because there there's a lot of green spaces in this city but to get out in to these places that I was fantasizing of in New York City walking Mm. through all the concrete and uh sirens and noise and overstimulation of my nervous system you can get out here so easily and uh and be able to just take a quick little afternoon trip to the river and find that what I think of as this connection to myself that I can't quite tap into when I'm 
surrounded by so many other people for one Mm -hmm. um, and also surrounded by all of the noise and chatter that comes that comes with that so for me moving in these natural places is is really like an embodied meditation practice as well it's where I I find I'm most clear and most connected to you know who I believe I am and that essence and spirit within. Yeah, it's you know when I when I take my time through Prospect Park because I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and we mm-hmm. spent all our family vacations camping on a campsite without running water or the ability to shower, like going to the bathroom behind trees. Um, and and I remember those were like some of the most amazing weeks of my childhood and and growing up. And so mm-hmm. having relocated to New York, one of the toughest things for me is being in these parks. And I know that's supposed to be your nature outlet, but it feels so shallow and so yeah. uh, surface level in comparison. It feels very manicured. It feels very inauthentic and. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I've been trying to make it more practice to be outside and, and connect. And, and there's just something about nature that, like I was saying earlier, it sharpens your focus on what it means to be alive because nature is an expression mm-hmm. of movement. I think, I think of movement as the universal yes. language that not only connects us as people and human beings and different races and ethnicities, but it also connects us with every living organism on the planet because everything mm-hmm. like the flow of life is communicated through movement. And when you leave a building that's made of, you know, like dead trees and steel and stone and you walk out into a living environment like nature, something that is alive and thriving with all these billions of organisms and all these ecosystems, it, you just become so much more tapped into that primordial form of communication, uh, not only around you, but within yourself. It's like an amplification system for what's true. And as I'm saying that, I'm even wondering if that's why I still am like in the simplicity of walking when I'm in nature, <laughs> like just walking and stepping down to pick up fallen leaves or twigs or acorns or, you know, just placing my hand on a tree and just trying to feel the tree. I, that's like one of my favorite things to do now. And it's funny to, you know, uh, to have to like push back the fear of judgment of people passing by me because right. it, it's an experience yeah. that's like so <laughs> refreshing and incredible. And I love doing it, but you know, there is that feeling of, oh, like my privacy and my special moments being like, yeah. you know, like it, it's, it's being ruined by these prying eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, too, because we as, as women who are so comfortable with movement and movement is, is a lens in which we view the world and navigate. Uh, the world that there is this hesitation because I I've definitely felt it um, in when I'm out in nature by myself or with people that just know me and I feel comfortable around of uh, (laughs) things and go up and hug trees and talk to plants and sing songs to plants and all of that but then 
yeah, if there were people who were just passing by and didn't know me, there can be this hesitation. And, and it's something that I've been working on a lot more too, of just saying like, who, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> who cares what people think? Uh, and also it, it's almost like this, this calling of like, I need to go and touch trees in front of people so that people think that it's less, like if more of us do this, if yeah. you and I and all the other people who are like, yeah, well, you know, if we just make it, if we normalize it, it mm-hmm. should just be a very normal human thing mm. to connect with our land or our mother. It's, it is what provides and um, what nurtures us. And if we feel, we feel this shame at, other people seeing us nurture it back it's such a, a weird uh concept to me but i i feel it too that mm. that we we feel shy about showing our how we connect to to life that is non-human and uh and i think yeah getting out of that mindset of feeling like we might be judged or we're weirdos, like whatever. I'm, I am a little strange. And I think that's needed now, especially mm. in allowing people to connect, to connect back to the land is we need to invite others to <laughs> touch trees and walk barefoot. <laughs> Yeah, yes, you know. it's like also just the ability to show appreciation for your home. Um, exactly. And, I, yeah. and this is an interesting, Gratitude. yeah, this is an interesting concept I've been playing around with, like how hard it is, it is for most people to not only feel an elevated emotion, but also sustain it. And I've noticed this with myself, mm. especially as I dove headfirst into a very intensive meditation practice this past year how um, there is a lot more difficulty in not only connecting to an elevated emotion of gratitude or happiness or joy or relaxation, but also in sustaining it. Because so many of us are so conditioned um, through our society, through cultural norms, through media, all of it, you know, to be so focused on what's not working or focused on the fears and the limitations and, um, you know, what what's what's making you irritated, right? We tend to scale our focus onto worst case scenarios and we get very good at staying fixated there. Um, And I think it's an interesting thing to look at that what you're really doing when you're walking through the woods barefoot or you're touching a tree is you're taking a moment to just like tune into an elevated emotion for a moment. And the fact that that mm-hmm. is what is so bizarre <laughs> to other people is a very interesting <laughs> commentary on where we are. And this is something I know I work really hard at with, or, or I emphasize a lot. I wouldn't say it's hard work. It's important work to me. And so I make sure that it, I am hitting it every time I'm working with people. But to be able to tap into those elevated emotions and teach yourself how to sustain them. Because I actually think that is something mm. our planet needs more of. It's something we all need more of than, more than anything else, quite frankly. And to learn how to do that through movement is particularly powerful because if you can do it in movement, you're doing it in life. 
Yes. Yeah. And for me with, with dance, that I think was why I've been able to sustain it for so long because it wasn't just about learning cool dance moves and performing. There's definitely this high that I get from it, but it was so much of a therapeutic device for me growing up, really what kept me um, invested as a dancer because I was able to process emotions in my troubling teen years where you have so many different emotions and everything feels way more elevated because your hormones are figuring themselves out and uh and then just with my personal life and family life that it was it was my my safe space was through movement through focusing on myself and my body and honing in on this creative outlet that everything else just it just drifted away from me um but not without coming through me first. And so in, in ways in that people a lot of times will just uh, distract themselves with movement or with the newest movement trend or fitness trend. And it's, it, but it doesn't allow room to exist and to be and feel and process. And that's what's, missing I see a lot and a lot of people are are doing great work but in a lot of the unfortunately like really big trendy fitness movement modalities there's there's a a lack of humanity in in a way or it's just a superficial layer that I am much more interested in holding space for people to dig deeper and to acknowledge that they that I can't tell them how to move best in their bodies I do work a lot with people on alignment on uh, injury rehabilitation on managing chronic illness and, and autoimmune diseases and all of these things and but more than me just helping them understand healthy alignment and and feeling good and safe and happy in their bodies it's also teaching people how to provide that for themselves which is why I don't call myself a a movement coach or a health coach because to me coach feels a little it doesn't resonate with with what I'm offering and so I'm now calling myself a wellness guide because I like to hold space uh, cultivate an experience for people to to get what they need out of it and Mm. that's not to say that I I don't offer my perspectives because I very much speak and teach from from my own experience, that's the one I know best. And I also know that what works for me isn't going to work for my client always. Um, so that's why I personally like to delve into lots of different kinds of movement practices and continue to explore those realms so that I can offer insights. Like, hey, I dabbled in this and, you know, didn't quite 
work for me, but I think it might be really beneficial for you or just being able to, to bring diversity to, to the movement plates. <laughs> I look a lot at, uh, at the comparisons between my movement practice and my, the, the way I eat. And I have an ancestrally informed, biodiverse, mindful way of eating. And that's also how I view my movement practices now is, is having this diversity in movement that is, is blending ancient wisdom with modern methodologies so that there is all of this robust science to back things up, but I'm not just staying in that very observational scientific place. I am rooting down into the wisdoms of the land and of, of the cultures that I think if you look back, all cultures have dance Mm -hmm. and it didn't really become this form of, of entertainment you know, through, through ballet and through dancing to the to royalty and um, becoming this very domesticated form of entertainment. Uh, but there, there's been dance, not just for entertainment and storytelling, but also for processing emotions, for celebrating, for sh- showing gratitude, for calling in spirits, for, you know, all these, all these different reasons uh, that take on more of a ritualistic or a ceremonial energy to them. And that is, is definitely where my work is headed mm. and how I want to expand that possibility that we all have running through our bones and our bloodline. We all have it. We can all tap into it, but it does feel like in a lot of ways, a big barrier for entry uh, for people because we're just used to being told how to move Mm -hmm. and we feel comfortable. And I notice teaching when I teach uh, my open yoga classes, I always like to incorporate some some freedom, some artistry to the uh, to the sequence or to the warm up, and giving people some time to to improvise, essentially. And mm-hmm. how I notice that people can that's that's the hardest moment for people in class sometimes is is me not telling them exactly what to do with every cue of breath, and yeah, and but I feel like it's so important to push people to, uh, to be with themselves in that freedom. Well, that's, I, you hit the nail on the head and I feel like everything you said there, I was thinking, yes, yes, yes. I've said all this stuff before. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually like yeah. startled that we haven't had this conversation yet <laughs> because, um, yeah. I feel the same way. I had a, you're probably one of the only people who's reflected this back to me, but I had the same experience with dance where, that was my lifeline. Like I guarantee mm-hmm. you with all the anxiety and the depression and the feeling of not belonging, I struggled with growing up and the feeling of clashing against a world that I didn't feel I could fit into. Dance was the one thing that held me together. 
Uh, and it was specifically like mm-hmm. my relationship with improvisation. It was my lifeline. It, I literally moved into it every time I needed to process something, anytime I needed to release something, anytime I just, I needed to connect. And it happened very intuitively for me. And if it were not for dance, I would a hundred percent not be here because I, I had some really dark times, especially as a teenager and in college. So when I went into the fitness space, I was so surprised because uh, I was also working professionally as a dancer at the same time, started my um, career as a personal trainer. I was so surprised with that disconnect, like the total blindness to feeling, you know, it was just all moving through positions, moving from one point to the mm-hmm. next without the in-between. And I thought like, well, the how and the why are are supremely important. Why does nobody seem to be paying attention? Yeah. And then I saw this also happening in the dance world professionally. Suddenly the how yes. and the why <laughs> were not there. And I thought like, what is going on? I, am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Am I the only one who sees this massive gap? <laughs> And, and it really was only recently, I actually around the time we met that I started to understand that uh, my relationship to f- freely moving, especially through dance improvisation, was actually the most important element that allowed me to be so connected to my body and myself and my needs and, and to move through life in the most um, free-flowing, authentic way possible. And I, then I realized, oh my God, nobody knows this. Nobody understands this. And I was like, okay, now, now I know what like, I want to be communicating to people. So I'm just really excited yeah. that you're, you're doing the same thing uh, because, God, we need, we need more people helping us with this big, yes. big vision. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, 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 it's insane how, how people don't feel safe or empowered and they cannot give themselves and they will not give themselves permission to just move. And I see it in my liberated movement classes all the time, because every class, there is at least a third of the class where you are responsible for self-guiding. And I will give suggestions, I'll give tools, I'll give opportunities, like, well, you can do this or this or this, but it has to be yours and you have to commit. And people really struggle. Um, I had an interesting class recently where I had out of nine people, seven of them had never taken my class before. Four of them had never danced before. And so it took everything I had to rally and to motivate and to keep reminding, reminding, Mm -hmm. reminding, and to get people into that state. And at the end, I had a lot of positive feedback. But from my vantage point, it was like, oh, like you you have so much further to go. Stop holding back. Stop holding back. (laughs) But, you know, I guess at, at that point, like I had to step back and realize, oh, any movement in this direction is a big win for these people because mm-hmm. they've never done this before. Yeah, I, I think growing up as a dancer, being a, a dancer and having that tied to my identity so much uh, and just being a mover now, it's it's you have to remember and hold space for people who didn't grow up that way uh, and who haven't had the opportunity to connect to their bodies and find home within their bodies through movement day in and day out since they were little kids and so sometimes I yeah when I'm working with with clients and 
you you're like I am amazed at how something so small so subtle can be so profound for them and I'm like oh this is just something like something that I sometimes take for granted and then it's beautiful because they remind me of how incredibly intelligent and are and so that's what I I love about working with with people who aren't uh like big movement people because you're sharing that commonality of joy of being a human in this body through whatever means that is Mm. for the person and and a lot of times it it's just it's very uh very inspiring for me to look back and not take walking for granted or not taking cat cow for granted or these things that are that just can become uh, mundane or going to a ballet class and sometimes you don't want to be there but then you're like but I can do all this crazy stuff and it's just it's having this appreciation for what the body can do and I not too long ago, uh, or this summer, I watched Ido Portal's documentary. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Oh, no, um, not yet. But he talks, yeah, you, you'll definitely, you'll Love enjoy it. it. Uh, he, are you familiar with? Oh, his, yeah, of course. Work? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. I thought so, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, it was this documentary that came out and, the message that just kept getting repeated is move because you can. Mm. And if you don't move, you might not be able to move or move as, as well. Uh, And, and so I've really been embodying that of how, how can I get creative about my movement when I don't have the time to go take a class for myself or, if my schedule is just so packed, where can I invite movement into my life, into my lifestyle, which is something that I help clients with as well. It's like not looking as at movement as exercise per se. And that's where uh, Katie Bowman's work very much influences how I speak about these things. She talks about movement is a nutrient that we all need as humans and Efficient in that nutrient as a culture. Oh yes, and uh, yeah, and then it's not just about getting your one hour at the gym every day because what are you doing for the rest of your time? And it's it's more about finding movement, stacking movement into your lifestyle so that it's not as necessary to get to the gym every day. And I do believe it's it's great to find those isolated. Uh, disciplines of movement, but it's also important to then integrate that into a broader spectrum of how you move through your kitchen or how you walk down the street. And there's so many ways that you can, you you know, movement is like we were talking about movement is in everything. It's just, it is this, this deep expression of life in all forms and so we can we can if we really want to make every second 
excitement of every day about movement. You know, a little game that I like to do, or I've been doing more recently is um, I've, I've been doing this thing where I'm trying to stay as connected to like a higher uh, level of emotion or like these positive emotions more consistently. And what I'll get, I'll get these little snippets of inspiration to just like feel my body move for the experience of it. And it's not like, oh, I'm going to mm-hmm. do this cool trick because this is going to be good for my lats. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to open up my hip flexors. But it's like, it's like I just want to feel the ground under my arms and my legs, and I want to feel my spine unfurl. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh my god, like it's so amazing when, like, even just like a moment when you go meet a friend, and before you guys like sit down to have dinner or something, you just like, whoo, whoo, like you let that inspiration flood in. You give yourself two seconds, and then it's like. Okay. I mean, it's been this glorious experience to allow myself these little snippets, these little movement snacks um, yeah. to build that nutrient and to build that versatility. And and I even like now uh, make it a point when I'm walking down the street, to, like once I'm connected to the feel of walking, sometimes I'll get that inspiration like in between like sessions with clients. And so I'm like on Broadway somewhere in the Upper West Side. And then suddenly I'm like doing this wild arm movement <laughs> because it felt right. <laughs> and um, there's just like yeah. This, yeah. this amazing sense of freedom to, and again, it, it's less because I'm trying to like nourish myself because it's right. It's more that it's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really craving this deeper experience and, I don't know how else to explain it. Like I'm very spiritual when it comes to movement. I, I think it's the great connector between all things, all times, all mm-hmm. all components of life. And when you really open up to it and you allow it to just come through and move through it, it I don't, I can't gush about it enough. Clearly, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're talking about moving for the experience and connecting to sensations uh, of pleasure in the body it reminds me a lot of gaga mm-hmm. and i love gaga it's something that i'm missing out here in portland because there's not a regular gaga t-shirt Maybe you should be but, uh, yeah i definitely thought about it but one of the things that i that gaga doesn't quite do it for me is that it again isn't it dance studio studio. (laughs) I agree (laughs) I yeah I I feel like there uh, there's such a beautiful rich language that Ohara's created to provide humans because there's gaga dance and then there's gaga people and I actually personally love going to the gaga people classes that allow all walks of life to come in and move to Together because I find that it's more freeing for me to be around people of varying movement backgrounds, capabilities, rather than just a bunch of dancers, you know, feeling <laughs> things together. That's nice too, for sure. But um, I'm, yeah, I'm interested in that community aspect of moving through sensory input, but to take it into, as you were talking about earlier, having all of this sensory input from these wild landscapes, from these natural settings. And so what would happen if you invite a group of people out into this raw, wild landscape and you just move together and you, and maybe I guide people 
through uh, some light improvisation to get them going, but that it essentially becomes about their movement, their connection to everything around them, human beings and all of the stimulus involved in these natural places. Uh, and you know, invite drumming and live music and chanting and singing because I think voice as movement is so powerful too. And as a dancer, I didn't get that for so mm -hmm. long and mm -hmm. as a writer. Um, but now the importance of being able to use your voice as movement and and that is just another way to connect again to the movements of of that innate human nature mm. so yeah <laughs> we've we've talked a little bit about about that before in my my visions for what's to come oh yeah Portland, no so. we'll, we'll get into so, that yeah <laughs> uh, I love what you said about voice because this is one thing I, I do in all of my classes um, I think it's the basis of uh, my practice with intuitive movement and as I'm fleshing it out for other people like it's a non-negotiable being able to breathe and exhale with sound mm -hmm. not just <sighs> yes but like the Oh, yeah. <laughs> like to like actually have a vocalization uh -huh. and it's so interesting it's again like the barriers we put up and that's why like when we first started talking mm -hmm. I mentioned my barrier which is like can't seem to quite move freely when I'm out in nature I get scared because I know mm -hmm. it, it's so scary for people to even make sound and you know I I lead and I guide people and I'm the loudest one in the room nobody can you know out Ah, uh, me. But um, yeah. <laughs> even with that, even with that level, there, like, unless I have one or two people who go all in, people will be afraid. And it's pretty beautiful to yeah. watch when you have one person who's willing to dive in and be like, I give no fucks. Let's see what happens when I try this, how it yeah. suddenly yeah. gives everyone else permission. <laughs> and, and I've started actually using science as a way to get people to do this more, explaining from like, the biomechanical and the kinesiology standpoint, what's happening when you allow yourself mm. to make loud sound, how that vibration literally wakes up all those nerves in your spine, all those deep muscles, like deep within your core that are responsible for how your nervous system is communicating with your limbs. And so I'll tell people, if you're yeah. not, you're not vibrating those awake, if you are not stimulating them, you are not going to get as deep of an experience of your connection to your body and mm. your movement as if you actually do that. So do it folks. Right. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> that is, that is so good and so true. So true. It's a, uh, it, I notice that a lot as well in classes and people are so hesitant to, to be heard. I think is, is what it is, is to, to let that expression move through their voice, even if it is just in a sigh, uh, or in an ohm in a yoga mm -hmm. class. And, mm -hmm. But when, when people join together and they are like, I will commend people. I'd be like, yes, that is such good breath. Like keep, you know, mm -hmm. keep it going let yourself move through those spaces because if, if we block off that one aspect of our movement, then there is some 
some sense of stagnation or of not being fully free. And yeah, sometimes when I'm, I think that's the beautiful thing about being out in a natural setting, preferably uh, alone or, you know, with, with people you feel safe around because you can scream, you can cry, you can make guttural noises that you might not feel as comfortable doing in your movie class. So I think it, it allows us to starting in, uh, in places like in a movement class to just get more comfortable with hearing yourself as you move, but then finding opportunities to take that further take that deeper because we what like when can we growl and make strange sounds and scream at the top of our lungs we it's very rare right we would be looked at like we're crazy and and so I think but I think it's very necessary and uh, it's very potent medicine to be able to express ourselves in that way especially now as there's just there's so much welling up that we don't know how to handle and process and we need uh safe outlets to let some of those emotions ride through us so that we don't carry them into our everyday interactions and and move us and let them move us rather than us move with them yes I think that's uh yeah that's definitely missing (laughs) well it's interesting I love what you said about people being afraid to be heard I think most people are afraid to Mm -hmm. be seen to be heard because they're afraid of not being received Right. And there's something about being seen yes. in your authenticity, authenticity and heard in your authenticity, where it's authentic movement, just moving however you want. That's like your ultimate form of being seen authentically, um, allowing yourself to just vocalize yes. a sound, which is your unique sound. There's fear and like letting that come through because that fear of rejection or not being received as you actually are prevents you from ever showing up as you actually Mm -hmm. are. But this is the interesting component. Whenever you show up in your authenticity, right? Like not caring how you are received, just letting yourself be. It is always Mm -hmm. beautiful. It is always magnetic and people are always drawn to it. And it's such an interesting dynamic to watch that there's that, the, the one thing that will actually allow you the most expression the most joy the most connection not just with yourself but with others is the one thing that we resist the most yeah wow yeah and and we so much of the times limit ourselves in those uh connections and relationships to ourselves and what we have to offer to one another and by by being in a way that is authentic and that is true to our nature and standing in our power and moving in our power you when you see people like that you are inspired to do the same Mm -hmm. 
And so having that input from others is just, it's so crucial right now. Um, and I, and I don't think that's, cause there's also a difference. And I talk a lot about nuance and awareness and how that is also very much lacking mm-hmm. in our culture. And so we have to be, uh, delicate with this balance of understanding and using our discernment of what is our authentic nature and, and also how could that maybe be muddled by our traumas, our wounds, what we're carrying around within us. And which is why moving through that, moving with it, um, confronting it and processing it rather than just reacting is, is what I believe will allow us to come into better alignment with ourselves, with one another, and hopefully shift the paradigm mm. quite a bit to, to be able to uh, navigate this world in a better way than what we're currently, <laughs> how we're currently doing it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. Thank you for saying that. I just, I loved hearing every word of what you just said. Uh, So I'm actually going to steer us in the direction of, you know, my quintessential questions for this podcast, because I think we ended up touching on a few of them (laughs) indirectly, um, especially your journey already Mm -hmm. shared quite a bit about that. But I would love um, to hear what your personal definition is for movement. Well, we were already talking about the lens of movement in which we see the world and how movement is in everything and so I really I do believe that movement is the essence of life and of spirit and it's a way of life a way to align better with what it means to be a human Mm. and that as we've been discussing, can manifest in so many ways, but but movement is this innate language of of a human being. Hmm. I love that. It's so poetic <laughs> and beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I, I love that you draw the words essence and spirit into that definition and a way of life. Right, because that, that implies you yeah. have a choice, like how deep, how deeply to immerse yourself in this language, right? Or how yes. how much you allow yourself uh, connection with it to influence you, because it is a given, mm-hmm. but it can only shape us so much as we are willing to put our awareness and our attention on it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we we have to be in relationship with it. So it's not a one-sided street by any means. It's this constant uh, constant dance <laughs> with yes. with movement, with how yeah, with how we choose to move and navigate that terrain. Mm. I love that. Uh, so this will actually pull us right into the next question. Um, what has been the greatest gift movement has given you? Mm. 
so many, so many mm. gifts. Know, right? <laughs> uh, you can pick a couple if you want. <laughs> keeps on giving. Yeah. Right? I think to sum it up though is, is yeah, definitely feeling at home within mm. my body and, and honoring the wisdom of my body and its cycles and understanding that it's constantly in flux and that there is no stillness yeah. <laughs> even when I'm teaching uh, my restorative classes my restorative yoga classes there's even in those quiet moments with yourself in perceived stillness mm. there's still so much happening at us at a subtler level uh, and so I just love that being a mover and, and working within all these different realms of movement has brought greater awareness to, to how my movement also affects other lives, uh, other human lives, and literally how I choose to move through this world, whether it's biking instead of driving, how that affects the bigger picture yeah. of non-human lives as well. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said about um, honoring the wisdom of the body, feeling at home and, and learning to embrace the ever changing nature of what it means to be alive. Mm -hmm. I think, I think how everybody is always trying to control, right. And they're always trying to create yeah. uh, predictability and it's so inherently stagnant to try and reduce the, the, opportunity for unpredictability because life is unpredictable chaos is an equivalent to order right chaos is actually i believe mm -hmm. the foundation of harmony with i mean look at our universe is inherently yeah. chaotic but it's also the most coherent organized yeah. harmonic <laughs> system that exists and so when you are actually trying to enforce control and predictability you are in essence stifling your own life force so to learn how to embrace mm -hmm. that shift is so powerful and i and i love that that was a, a big element in your in your gift there because and i wanted to bring it up yeah. again because from my vantage point it's one of the most important ones mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a it's a foundation for living this life definitely it's provided it's provided a lot of tools for navigating whatever flow that may be. And uh, I recently I was talking about how, you know, there's that term go with the flow. Mm. And I was using this in one of my yoga classes as a theme of like, everyone's always saying, go with the flow, go with the flow. And that's a great sentiment, but also what if the flow is not the right flow for you? Mm. So it's, Sometimes you have to go against the flow or as we hear it more so against the grain. Yeah. And, and that's where that, that, that piece of, of discernment and what you need for yourself, but then also not thinking about it from quite so selfish of a, of a standpoint. So I think we can get a lot into like the taking self care to, a 
place of just focusing on ourselves and and escaping mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, effects of everything externally. Yeah. And I like to offer self-care, whether that be through movement or however you choose to tend to your inner fire, that that's a space where you are, are tending to yourself with the mindset of also being able to tend to others and to be able to show up better in your life for others, not just for yourself. I love that. That's I, I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree and feel all the chills going down my spine. <laughs> uh, so as we wrap things up, because we could easily talk for another three hours. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we may have to do another interview soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you have any final words of wisdom that you would like to leave the listeners mm-hmm. in their own movement journeys as they take the next steps in their own uh, movement experience? I, I would say move more and move more but with greater care and attention and not just for yourself but for the good of others for the good of the world and to move more purposefully so that you can create these deeper connections to yourselves and to this beautifully wild world that cradles and nourishes us Mm. and uh, I'd also love to share a quote I'm reading this book braiding sweetgrass right now you have you read it no but I want to hear the quote no (laughs) okay (laughs) um I yeah my my mother gifted it to me for winter solstice and Mm. it's been on my wish list for past year but it was one of those things where I was like oh I have so many books that I still need to read so I'm not going to get it until I read some of the the books I have here it showed up in the mail and it was perfect timing so I'd listened to a podcast interview with the author uh, Robin Wall Kimmer recently and and she's not a a movement person she's a a botanist Mm. but the way that she speaks about the world and the natural world and the teachings of plants and this wisdom, there's so many overlaps and, you know, seeing from the the lens of a movement practitioner there and a dancer, mm. mostly this, this quote really, really uh, speaks to me. And I hope that it offers something to people listening. She says, What if you were a teacher but had no voice to speak your knowledge? What if you had no language at all and yet there was something you needed to say? Wouldn't you dance it? Wouldn't you act it out? Wouldn't your every movement tell the story? And I just love how how simple and yet spot on that sentiment is. It's, it's so, so it's, it's, it's uh, so deep and so moving. Like my eyes are welling up over here. It's I like, know. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> what I, you were saying earlier about us being so lost from a way of living and breathing and being in this world. I agree. I think the whole 
concept of dance being assumed by the prof- by a profession has like divorced us from mm-hmm. what was one of our most authentic and integrated ways of existing yeah. and commu- like communicating. We lost our our most authentic yes. vehicle of communication. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. Just- yeah, movement and even more specifically dancing is is a birthright for all humans. We it is an innate aspect of how we navigate uh, this world and it's something that I think is stripped away from us in childhood even you see young children and babies as they're figuring out how to move their bodies and exploring the curiosities of oh my gosh what does it mean to be a human in this body and like all little kids love to dance they don't even need music and and then somewhere along the line that gets taken from us or we we let it uh distance we distance ourselves from it for whatever reasons and i'm very interested in in uh closing that gap for people providing that space yeah you and me both honey (laughs) (laughs) oh so this was such a beautiful conversation jess uh if our listeners are local or even remote and want to know how to get in touch with you how to connect with you what are the best places for them to go yes so my website is Mm luminousarchitecture.com that's where my world of luminosity lives so every everything stays up to date Mm. there find out more about, about my work working with me uh and then instagram is the social media channel that i'm most active on mm-hmm. and that my handle is at luminous architecture all right perfect okay well thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today i am so grateful to, for, to you um I'm so grateful for your beautiful shares and your stories and your experiences that you're able to communicate with us. It was just like so much wisdom and so much really beautiful stuff coming through this last hour. So thank you again, Jess. Yes. Thank you, Mary. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. And I'm so grateful that you have this podcast too to continue to share people's experiences with movement. I think we just need to, to hear, to inspire and hopefully turn the podcast off at the end and then get up and, and move in this world in a more mindful, connected way. Well, I know what I'm going to do as soon as this ends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Dance party. (laughs) Dance party. All right. Well, on that note, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, It was great connecting with you all. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on this thing called movement. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. And if you're interested in connecting with me directly, you can find me on Facebook under the name Marie Janicek and on Instagram at Marie Janicek. If you enjoyed this episode, 
Don't forget to leave us a review and make sure to share with your friends and family. In the meantime, I can't wait to connect with you all next week when we bring on our next guest. Until then, make sure to get out there and move.